0: In all, less than 6% of writers, directors, and producers on U.S. films are Black. McKinsey & Company's new report, Black Representation in Film and TV, The Challenges and Impact of Increasing Diversity, suggests that barriers to inclusion run deep and wide, and that, not surprisingly, Black professionals are substantially underrepresented in film and TV. Included in their conclusions... McKinsey & Co. have estimated that closing the opportunity gap could generate more than $10 billion in annual revenues across the industry. Dedicated to the belief that diverse artists deserve the same opportunities as their mainstream counterparts, the American Black Film Festival, or ABFF, was conceived in 1997 as a vehicle to strengthen the Black entertainment community. By fostering resource sharing, education, and artistic collaboration, the American Black Film Festival is an annual event dedicated to reorganizing Black talent and showcasing quality film and television content by and about people of African descent. Now in its 26th year, the festival has become a cornerstone of diversity in Hollywood. Providing a platform for emerging Black artists, the American Black Film Festival has positively influenced and made possible the trajectory of many who have become today's most successful actors, producers, writers, directors, and stand-up comedians. Here with us to discuss the state of diversity in film and media, and to share more about the American Black Film Festival, we have diversity advocate, trailblazer, as well as the founder of the American Black Film Festival, Jeff Friday. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome to the show, Jeff. How are you doing, brother?
4: I'm doing great, man. Ramses, good to see you.
0: Good yes, to see sir. you. yes, sir. Congratulations on all your success. Likewise, brother. You, I, I've been reading about you, man. This, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, man. This is, this is an exciting time for me. So, so let's get started, man. Uh, share with our audience a bit about your background, sort of what made you decide to pursue this path that you're on.
4: Yeah. So uh, I, my background's in advertising. I was um, back in 1997, I was the president of an ad agency, which was the largest multicultural ad agency at the time called Uniworld, okay. uh, founded by ad icon Byron Lewis. Hmm. And I took a trip. I was the president of the company and I took a trip to the Sundance Film Festival in 97, in January of 97, in fact, um, to really see what it was about. Okay. And What I noticed was there was an industry that most of us don't know about. It's called a market for independent films. I always wondered where people like Quentin Tarantino came from and how they get to start and Steven Saddleberg. And 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 when I got there, I realized, you know, festivals, we see them as things for an enjoyment. But the industry sees them as marketplaces for new talent and new product. Hmm. And. Had a great time, but you know what I didn't see? I did not see diversity. I, I, it was primarily white males doing what they do, making deals and, and networking. And I, I asked myself, where are the women and where are the people of color. Sure. Um, came back to New York, downloaded that experience to my boss. He said, what happened? I told him what I just said to you. And he said, what, what are we going to do about it? So I said, let's start our own festival. So a trip to Sundance to go attract new advertising business in 1997 led me on this alternate career path called festival producer, content producer and really uh, diversity advocate for the film and television industry.
0: Very good. So can you share some perspective on black representation in film and media throughout our country's modern history? Has this been some this this obviously has been something that has existed beyond what you've observed, right? Yeah.
4: It's been like this for a long time, you know, and, and, and until, I think the watershed moment was the Oscars so white
3: moment mm.
4: when the world realized that there were no black nominees, but you know, Ramsey, that wasn't the problem. The problem isn't the Oscars and the problem, the problem is not the fact that there, there are no black actors nominated. The problem is there are no black decision-makers, you know, sure. because no black decision makers lead you to the no black actress nominated for. it. So the the result of no black decision makers and the overall lack of black content creators and diversity in film and TV led us to that moment, that watershed moment, the Oscars, hashtag Oscars so white moment. But that was just a byproduct of a system of a biased economic system and a biased industry. And the industry's been like this for 400 years now. You know, this That's is right. not a this is not a new thing. Um, I also think that George Floyd's murder led us down a path of consciousness, too. And, you know, about just inequities across the board in our country. And now we see a very different Hollywood. But you have to remember, this was 20, 26 years ago when I was beating the drum about black content creators. And there there were people asking me why you're doing a black film festival in the first place, like it was the most ridiculous idea they'd ever heard. So, you know, we're, we're proud that we stuck to it. That we had a vision, that we had we were committed to our people and to the culture, but uh, the journey has not been easy and it, it has not always been supported by by mainstream Hollywood, with, with very few exceptions. For me, it's not it's not about my accomplishments, it's about my commitment to to support
0: black people's
4: mm-hmm. empowerment. Absolutely. And, and anything that runs counter to us looking good, I don't like
0: mm-hmm. How about that. I like that. I like that. Now, speaking of, of black empowerment, you know, you mentioned that there was a lack of black decision makers. Right. And this is something that has had a ripple effect on sort of what we the public see and are able to um, get, you know, in terms of stories told and, and so forth in the uh, uh, movie and film industries. What are any other variables or any other factors that are impacting representation and inclusion that maybe our listeners wouldn't be aware of?
4: Yeah, I I didn't say I didn't say was, so it's not a past tense.
0: Okay, you're fair (laughs) point. (laughs) Uh,
4: There is a lack of of representation in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, you, you have an industry. Well, here's the thing about Hollywood. So if you look at industries, you've got pharmaceutical and tech and you've got consumer product, you've got entertainment mm-hmm. and education and, and, and entertainment is what we do best. If you look at industries across the world, you say, what is the United States? The number one. at?
0: Yeah.
4: Right. Entertaining the world. We're the king and the queen, the queens of that. Right. Yeah. And I don't think we're the head in healthcare and education or anything else, to be very honest. Technology probably lagging behind two or three or four or five countries in the, those other categories. So, so imagine the thing that we do the best is probably the least diverse. And we have had a culture of mining black talent where you put a black person on the stage or you put them on the court. But you don't really allow them to be the decision maker you know and so it's it's just a systemic problem that we have in our country in my opinion about white privilege and 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 the mining of putting everyone's putting black people to work you know
5: you know and it doesn't
4: sound so so romantic but it's kind of it's it's the truth you know we we just don't own we don't own enough Hmm. you know and and Things have changed to some degree, but the one thing I want to one point I want to reinforce is change is not going to come in Hollywood by hiring more black actors okay. or more black people getting nominated for awards. That's not the kind of change that's sustainable. Right? right. Change is going to come when black people are writing checks and lead heading studios and heading streaming services and sitting in the room. Evaluating pitches from young black people who they don't know, saying yes or you know, the green lighters as we call them, right? Sure. Until the makeup of, of Hollywood green lighters changes complexions or, or just kind of browns out a little bit. Yeah, uh, we're gonna see the same thing. P- people default to what they know, to what their experiences are. And if your experience is Beverly Hills from your driveway to your to your garage to your driveway through the hood to your office and back then you're going to default to that. And your view of what a black film or black TV should, should be is very limited. You know, and, that, and that's why shows like Cosby and Black issues. That's why they were so breakout. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the world never saw black people in that capacity. But why is that? Because those shows don't get greenlit. So the world doesn't see. So that's why black is so, you know, that's just one example. I enjoy the show a lot but that's just one example of, of why it's so, it's so unique of a show because we don't get a chance to see black people in that light. We're kind of putting one, one of two categories, you know, those those boxes that we talk about. So sure. bottom line, it's, it's decision makers have to be diversified in order for Hollywood to, to change.
0: You know, um, once you kind of paint that picture a little bit more for me, I, I'm i able to kind of see it because I think a it's not a, one to one parallel but you know a decent parallel is the music industry and as we've seen in the music industry there are rather more black decision makers certainly in the past we'll call it 30 years than there have ever been and as a result you know we'll take hip hop for instance there's a lot more people not only um blazing their own trails, but there's a lot more money involved and that money is making its way to these individuals, the, the artists and of course um, there are not other folks necessarily exclusively deciding on the narrative uh, with respect to hip-hop. So I think that uh, again, when you paint the picture that way it really comes to life so I appreciate that.
3: This show is sponsored by Better Help. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. Visit BetterHelp.com/bin today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash bin
1: hey everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeartPodcasts. Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that, plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Grown Up Stuff
0: We are here today with the American Black Film Festival founder, diversity advocate, mentor, and trailblazer, Jeff Friday, discussing the American Black Film Festival and the state of diversity in film and media. So what are some of the biggest challenges that Black writers, actors, or creators still face in the industry? You know, the Black
4: creatives in general, the biggest challenge is, is fin- financing your work independently. If you're an independent filmmaker, Uh, finding financing for your work but if you're pitching it's really having the the privilege of pitching your your vision your projects to people understand your culture okay you know hollywood's a really tough super competitive business for everybody so you know my friends who are not black would say hollywood's hard for everybody and, and i agree with that Super hard. Everyone wants to do it because it's make, you make a lot of money when you're successful and it's pretty glamorous, right? Yeah. But when you're pitching to people who don't relate to you, it makes it even harder. It's almost like trying to, to have a conversation with someone who can't hear you. Wow. Right. It's pretty hard to communicate with a person who can't hear you or isn't listening. So, you know, I, I really do. And as I, I, I do equate, you know, pitching to someone who can't relate to your culture to pitching to someone who can't hear you, yeah, you know, and and sometimes it's not about, it's not about race usually, you know, I don't think there's this conspiracy theory against black people. I, I think that Hollywood just is what it is and it's just not very diverse and everyone defaults to what they know and to people they know, you know, you like to have, you go to a barbecue, you go, you invite people you know, and if none of those people happen to be moguls, then you don't have a mogul barbecue, you know. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, so, and moguls have mogul, mogul barbecues. Indeed, if you're not at the mogul barbecue, then you don't get deals done. It's pretty simple.
0: <laughs> so, how about this? What can we as a community be doing to like better support and advocate for the representation and inclusion of Black talent, and in the truth telling of our stories? That's a great question,
4: uh, and I think the only answer is, is to support Black stuff. You know, there, there's power in numbers. Uh, money's the god here. You know, I hate to say it, but you know, money rules. So, what you can do, what we all can do, is we can watch, we can go see, we can stream. You know, we can support economically things that that are created by people who look like us. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes I even say, hey, even if you don't like it, support it anyway. Yeah. You know, because I also think we can be more critical of, of our own people sometimes. You know, it's really important that we show up for things that, that we show up for black festivals. I, I do a festival. I've done it for 26 years. Um, we've helped a lot of people. We need people to show up. Thankfully, people do show up. But. We've only been around for 26 years people, because the, the second that people stop showing up, it's over. And then I can't help people. When right. people say, well, I'll go to another festival because that's a bigger one. That's, you know, then, then we can't do what we do. So it's about putting your money where your mouth is. You have to support black effort. Hmm. Even if you don't love it, you support it because the next one will be better. I've seen many filmmakers who their first movies were, were average at best. And then they come back and they make a, 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 a classic. Hmm. You know, Ryan Coogler was one of our, you know, got his start with our festival eight years ago or nine years ago. He had his first film, it was a great film, but it wasn't Black Panther. Black his first short film played at our festival in 2012. And he won our HBO Short Film Award. Won $40,000 from, from a Black film festival which helped jumpstart his career, certainly put some money in his pocket. And six years later, he makes Black Panther, probably one of the, not probably, one of the biggest movies in cinematic history. history yeah. A young black man from, from Richmond, California, without privilege. Ryan Coogler did not grow with any privilege. He did not go to the mogul barbecues growing up. But he made one of the biggest movies in history because people embraced him and he supported it. And he was really talented. And there are many Ryan Ryan Coogler stories in our legacy.
0: I love that. So, you know, you mentioned uh, 26 years, you know, with more than two and a half decades uh, on this journey with the American Black Film Festival, obviously you've had to overcome many challenges. Are there any that stand out in terms of hurdles that you've overcome? You know, for, for
4: us, we've had a unique journey in, in that we've had a lot of support from from I've, I always I always feel that you have to have community to build anything. And, and when I came up with the idea for it, I, I mapped out three communities that were important. It, it was consumers. We needed people to care and to come people outside of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. We needed the talent community to care, um, you know, what they call celebrities, I, you know, just talent. Uh, our very first year, Halle Berry showed up, and Regina King, Lorenz Tate, and Nia mm-hmm. Long, and a bunch of Robert Townsend. And a bunch of us, were in, we were in Acapulco the first first five years. So we always, pe- people from around the country supported us. Talent supported us. And then you have to have corporate partners. Okay. And uh, our first, very first sponsor was HBO. And they've been a sponsor for 25 years, you know, and, and Cadillac and, and American Airlines and companies like that. So... We've been very fortunate, uh, Ramses, that we've had, like, we've been wrapped in in, a, in these three communities and, and in the media community. You know, in, in the first few years, we didn't get a lot of media support. But, you know, last two decades, black media has always supported us. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I could do an interview or help out any way, I'm, I'm always there, you know, so. Uh-huh. We're we're a unique case. You know, we have we have really been blessed to have support of a lot of different communities. And and that's really why we're still why we're still around and we're still doing some of the work that we're doing.
0: So it looks like there's a lot to look forward to with this year's American Black Film Festival. So let's talk about that. It takes place in Miami Beach. Uh, There's both in-person and virtual access options. Um, Let's talk about what folks can expect for ABFF 2022.
4: Sure. So you're right. It's, it's happening live. Um, the entire festival happens from June 15th to June 30th. Okay. Uh, the first five days are live. So if you want a live experience, you come to Miami. So from June 15th to the 19th, we're going to be live in, in South beach. Okay. Films, panel discussions, networking events, parties, master classes, and more on June 20th we launch our virtual. So they don't run simultaneously. The first five days are live. And then June 20th to the 30th, we go to our platform, ABFF. Our organization owns a streaming platform called ABFF Play. So our virtual festival will be on our streaming platform okay. uh, from the 20th of June. So it's basically a 15-day festival with five days live and 10 days virtual. Um, last The last two years, because of COVID, we only had a virtual festival. We attracted 75, almost 75,000 people from around the world on our platform as attendees. So our audience has grown exponentially since since we've all transitioned to this kind of virtual or hybrid world. And moving forward, we'll never just be a live festival. We're gonna be, you know, this this new, what we call the hybrid is our new format permanently. Okay.
0: And, uh, you know, your organizations, they also host, Other annual events centered around black culture and achievement. Uh, Let's talk a bit more about what those events are and how our audience might be able to get involved and support those initiatives as well.
4: Sure. Uh, Well, after our festival, the very next thing that we have coming up, uh, all the information will be on our social uh, social media platform. So anyone who follows us on Instagram or Facebook will keep updating this. But we, we launched in 2019. We launched ABFF London okay so rams we also have a a festival in the uk kind of the sister to this and we launched it with sony pictures entertainment Mm. and so after this that our very next event in mid-september will be abff london and we'll be in the uk we're hoping folks will come over for that um and then we have a comedy festival coming up later in the year and then the following in 2023 we have our big award show abff honor so we go we go from a film festival in june to a an international ABFF London festival in September with Sony. Then we do a comedy fest in in December. And then we, in February, we have our big award show. So, you know, the one thing, it's a lot of events, but the one central theme, I think you just said is, is celebrating black excellence. I love that. That's what we do. We celebrate black excellence and and we showcase talented black people in the film and TV industry.
0: Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well then, um, let's do it one more time. Let's make sure that we, get people the information that they need to support you. So let's go ahead and drop uh, the websites one more time and social media. If, if you want folks to keep up with you personally, you know, anything like that, let's make sure we get folks to tap in.
4: Sure. So I'm hoping everyone will come down to the American Black Film Festival this June, June 15th to the 19th. Tickets will be on sale June 6th at abff.com. Tickets will be on sale June 6th at abff.com. And uh, follow us on social at at American Black Film Festival.
0: Mm. All right. Well, thank you very much for your insight today. Once again, today's guest is the American Black Film Festival founder, Jeff Friday. Thank you. And before I let you go, I'll leave you with a quote from Oprah Winfrey. We've got to keep telling our stories because our experiences are so broad and rich and multifaceted. There isn't just one way to be black or blackish. The more stories we share, the more reflective we can be of the whole diverse African-American community. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I am your host, Ramses Ja. on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a the licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
5: Every week
0: on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
2: wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart.